so many of us can relate to that. It, that exact thing, that exact situation where you're, you're asked to pray or maybe you have to, you have to pray and, and, and in that moment you, you feel like I don't even know what to say and so you're just going to kind of maybe not recite a song. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah. So we've all felt that way. Maybe you feel that way all the time. Maybe you feel that way all the time when you're praying. Um, maybe there is, uh, maybe there's just this, this tension for you when it comes to prayer. It's actually, public prayer is actually one of the things that people are like, it's a fear. Like public speaking is a prayer, or, or is a fear, right? For a lot of people, public speaking is prayer. You know what I meant. Um, but you add prayer to that, now people are like, I'm, I'm done, right? You're just like over the top. On, on fear there. Um, for the last 21 days, our church together, our church community, um, we, have been, uh, we have been in this 21 days of reading, prayer, and fasting as, as a thing that we've all been doing uh, together to start the year off that way, focused on the Lord, focused on, the, uh, focused on some spiritual disciplines, as we've called them, um, in that way. And, uh, and, and hopefully that, that will help us to start off the year focused on God's will for us as a church, for us as an individual, um, right? Reading the word, prayer, fasting, along with a whole array of other spiritual disciplines are things that uh, are fundamental to the faith. These are things that we should uh, be, be doing, but there's a lot of spiritual practices that actually branch off from those main ones. Uh, and so this time spent in undivided attention to the Lord, giving undivided attention uh, to God it really, it draws us closer to him, right? And it helps us to, to remember that God is God and that, and that Jesus alone saves and that the Holy Spirit is really what brings life into our lives and, and into us. Um, and it's the perfect way to begin the new year together. And that's really what it's been about is, is together. That's the key word. And we've done that and it's been great. And, uh, and I've heard a whole lot of, of really cool stories and, and testimonies about what God has shown people and, and the way that that's helped transform in many ways their, their walk with God. Um, but this next week, as we go into this last week of it, these last seven days of the 21 days, um, it ends next Sunday. And, uh, and, and I hope that after today, though, that this discipline that we've helped to establish and within our life, that it's not something that just falls off. You're like, oh, day 22, I'm done. All right, that's not, that's not the point of it at all. So as we get started here, let's pray, and then we're going to talk about prayer. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move through this place as we sang, the Lord is in this place. And we want that to continue so, Spirit, I pray that you would continue to move through this place, that you would open our eyes, that you would, um, that you would speak to us and show us something that we need. Lord, keep us from distractions um, that can happen, because I know that the enemy wants to pull us away from something like talking about prayer. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to hear from you and to hear your word as we dive in here in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. So, prayer is our most basic response to God. If you really think about it, prayer is our most basic response to God. It is, uh, it's more than just communication, though it is that, right? It is communication with God, but it's so much more than just a transfer of information there, right? Or just an exchange of just speaking. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. 
in, in movies similar to that, but also in other movies, uh, you've seen characters who maybe have no belief in God, no relationship with God, yet um, something happens to that character something happens in their life, or maybe it's somebody in your own life that you know that really doesn't have much of a belief in God or anything along those lines, but something happens, crisis strikes, and all of a sudden, we're prayer warriors, right? All of a sudden, we're, we're praying often, and why is that? Why is it that we're praying often in those times, this cry into the void that seems almost universal, if you will, um, that is almost natural for us in those moments. It's almost like there's an empty hole in us that can only be filled by God, and we try to fill it in other ways. But we know that that's the truth, is that there is that empty hole in us. And the thing is, prayer is grounded in relationship. Prayer is grounded in relationship with God. That urge to pray, uh, to ask for the presence and protection of something and someone that is bigger than ourselves, it's arguably universal. And if we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can and should be a person of prayer. That should be a thing that is a part of who we are as a habit, not, a, not, not as a habit, but as a lifestyle. See, prayer is a spiritual practice that Jesus practiced the most. It's the one he emphasized, actually, the most, and he prioritized the most. And if the spiritual disciplines are ways of living that imitate the way in which Jesus lived, then prayer must be one of those ways for us. It must be. And it is so emphasized in Scripture, but we dismiss it. Or even worse, we become apathetic to it. Meaning, like, we don't even care all that often. We don't care until we need to care. Until, you know, crisis hits, and then all of a sudden, we really need to care. It, it becomes, it's really our last resort instead of our first option. And it should be our first option. You see, as followers of Jesus, prayer should define us. Prayer should define us. It should be a defining part of who we are as followers of Jesus, not just a habit. It shouldn't be in the same category as things like biting your nails or checking your phone or drinking coffee, um, cracking your knuckles, or pick, yeah, sorry, I'm weird. I can do that. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, so, but it shouldn't fall into a category like that. It shouldn't be something like that. It shouldn't be something like picking your nose when you drive, but y'all do it. We do it. So you could sit there and be like, that's not me. Yes, it is. We all do it. But it shouldn't just be a habit, right? Paul wrote a lot about prayer. You find it all throughout scripture. And when it comes down to specific instructions for what it looks like, for believers, Paul gives us this extensive and detailed passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 when he says this, never stop praying. Did you catch that? Hold on, here it is, a little bit bigger for you. That's the whole verse. Paul writes this extensive dissertation on prayer when he says never stop praying. Your Bible might say pray without ceasing. Something along those lines, the, the different translations that are there. But prayer shouldn't just be something that we check off our to-do list. It, it should be the very fabric of our being, right? That's what pray continually, pray without ceasing, never stop praying. That's what that means. And we use a lot of different things in this world to define us. I would argue that identity is one of the biggest things that people struggle with today because we find our identity in everything but Jesus. 
but our identity needs to be wrapped up in our heavenly father and what better way to do that than to be in the spirit of prayer more often than not to never stop praying it means just that again prayer is our most basic response to God and and to the love of God in Jesus but as a spiritual discipline there are a lot of different forms of prayer There are a lot of different forms of prayer, but they all come down to the simple idea of this experience of opening ourselves up to the presence of God, right? We open ourselves up to the presence of God. And as we use prayer to grow in our relationship with the Lord, we actually come to know who he is more and more. And we find out about ourselves more and more. But the commitment to prayer can feel daunting. For some of you, this 21 days felt like a huge weight to lift. It felt like a lot. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when it comes to prayer, which is why we end up, you know, sounding like Greg in the video there, you know? But to give anyone or anything our undivided attention for an extended period of time in a world of distractions, which is what we live in, that's a significant ask, right? And part of the reason for that if we're being honest, is because we don't value prayer like we should. And if we did, we would prioritize it more in our life. But part of our understanding of the value of something in our life is to experience it. And I hope that over the last 14 days, as part of our 21 days, that your experience with the Lord gave you a new understanding of the value of prayer. I hope that you're seeing more of the value of prayer in your life as we're doing this together. But like the other spiritual disciplines, it can feel heavy. And so the key is to start small. To start small, and we blow it up big time in our minds to the point where we end up writing it off and walking away because we feel like we have to pick up this huge box and carry it. And that's why we end up just writing it off. Like, I just, I, I can't do this anymore. And we, we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And there are a lot of resources that describe a lot of varieties of prayer, absolutely. But Jesus gave us a model, actually, to start from. Um, the Lord's Prayer, as Jesus taught us, it, it establishes a pattern of prayer for us that are kind of like handrails would be a good way to look at it. And you may notice when we read it, because as Jesus gives us handrails here, When you read it, it's not that long. It's not very long. And we hold handrails to keep us steady, right? We hold handrails to keep us steady and to keep us straight and to keep us on the path. But I may walk upstairs differently than you and you might walk upstairs differently than me, but at the end of the day, we're all gonna hold the handrail more than likely to keep us all on the straight path of where we're going. And when we come out of those times of regular prayer, of intentional prayer, you'll see that sometimes you come out of that feeling comforted. Sometimes you come out of those times feeling confused. Sometimes you're stronger than you were before. Other times you may feel bothered, but always from those times we come out feeling closer to God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 6 for most of this today. And most of this chapter actually has to do with prayer. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount and the attitude that we should approach prayer in. 
um, and the practices really that kind of branch off from it. I would encourage you to read this entire chapter this week uh, as, as part of your reading. It's a great chapter. In fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount is uh, five, chapter 5 through 7, so you could read uh, all of that actually. But Jesus gave us some handrails right here when it comes to prayer. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us a template and a pattern to follow. But I'm going to expand on that idea here just, just a little bit. But let's read this here in, uh, beginning in verse 9. It says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now that's not very long and there's a whole sermon wrapped up in this entire thing right here that you could pick apart, absolutely. But he's also, uh, we also see this in Luke chapter 11. Um, and we see some things here, uh, some principles, and I, I could even call them silos of uh, things to pray for or pray toward uh, that can help us to thank God for his mighty power, to praise him, to ask him uh, for his help to obey uh, and to demonstrate his perfect love to those here on earth, to ask him to meet our needs. Notice he doesn't say, it doesn't say meet our wants. Um, that's different. Um, ask for his protection and his strength to fight sin and the grace to help us to forgive those who have hurt us. So I've got a little template for you. If, if that maybe feels daunting for you to think through that, here's, here's the template I want to give you that we actually find taken out of the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts with the word adoration. Adoration, big word, which basically means to praise God, adore, right? The word adore is kind of a root there. To, to give God praise and honor for who he is as Lord over all. The God of creation. Like, I, I, I might say this often, but it, like, honestly, this, this should like put you in a state of awe. The God of creation, the God of all things, you can talk to at any given time. That's amazing. That's incredible. And we're apathetic to that idea many times. Adore him, praise him for that. Start there. Confession. That's the next one. Confession. To honestly deal with the sin in your life and pour that out to God in whatever way that looks. Thanksgiving would be the next one. That doesn't mean go get a huge plate of food. Okay. Verbal, sorry. But to verbalize what you're grateful for. Verbalize what you're grateful for in your life and, and the world around you. And, and what God has done. He has given us so much and there is so much to be thankful for that we should be pouring out to the Lord more often. And then the last one is supplication, which is a really big long word. Um, supplication, and that means to pray for the needs of others and for yourself and to be specific. So there is the asking God for what you need in your life. And you may notice the order of these things. Also, if you underline the first letter and you see it, it spells the word acts. So maybe these are your acts of prayer, right? Something to keep in mind is, is that, and it can help you because like, I get it. You're praying and sometimes you're like, Duh, and you just like blank out. You know what I mean? Like it happens because we put this pressure on ourselves. So maybe use this as a little bit of a template because it's based on the Lord's prayer as well. So your acts of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And the progression here is intentional because here's the thing. A lot of times when we go to the Lord in prayer, we start here. We start with, I need, I need, I need, I need. And that's not, that's, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but think about how much your, your, your posture that you approach the Lord in changes if you start here and work your way. By the time you get to here, 
your heart, your mind, and where you're at with God is, is much different than just going to God like he's a genie in a bottle. We're, we're praising him. We're dealing with our sin honestly. We're thanking him for all the things that he's done. And then we ask him to help others, and we ask him to help us. It's an intentional progression, but not always necessary. Not always necessary. Jesus did not always pray this exact same way. He, just, he didn't. You find him praying, he prays differently every time, but you will find pieces of this in that. John chapter 17, if you want a little bit more homework, John 17 is an entire prayer. The whole chapter is Jesus praying. And he doesn't hit this in this order, and he never says the Lord's Prayer in that. But you will find these principles throughout that. You'll find these principles right in there. Here's the thing. It's not a cookie cutter. Don't be confident in the words you say, but in the God you serve. Don't be confident in the words you say. Be confident in the God that you serve. Don't put so much pressure on yourself and don't overthink it. It's not a business deal. It's not, it's not a meeting. It's not a presentation or a sales pitch. If we're approaching God like it's a sales pitch, good grief. It's just communication with your heavenly father in a way that is respectful, in a way that is heartfelt, passionate, and specific. See, if you intimately know someone, if you intimately know someone, you can pour your heart out to them without fear of getting it right. If I in intimately know somebody, I can say what I'm feeling because I, they love, I know they love me and I love them and I can say what's going on in, in my life and in my world without worrying about them going, well, you sound dumb, right? They love me. And so I know that I can, I can approach them from an honest place. Granted, it should be from a respectful place as well because at the same time, there is a way to, I'm gonna call it this, get it wrong. But it has nothing to do with your words and it has everything to do with your heart attitude or even as I used this word a minute ago, your posture. The posture of your heart as you approach the God of the universe See, before Jesus goes into the principles of prayer, he actually talks about having the right heart attitude to come to the Lord with in prayer. So if you're in Matthew 6, let's back up. Let's back up to the verses that take place before he gives us the Lord's Prayer, right? Beginning in verse 5. And I want to read these together. It says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Wow. That puts things in perspective, doesn't it? These attitudes, these character traits, they will not give you favor with the Lord because he hears your heart. He hears your heart. And so if this is your heart, it will not be honored by God. And that affects the mission that we've been given as the church. See, prayer aligns our heart with his. Prayer aligns our heart with God's heart. 
The, during, during times of prayer, that there will be times of adjustment, times of alignment, times of, of setting our thoughts, our emotions, and actions, and we'll hear from God sometimes in, in ways that maybe we never expect about the things that we never thought needed dealt with and addressed, and God all of a sudden just hits you with them like a two-by-four across the face. I've been there, done that. And if you've approached the throne of grace boldly, as it says that we can in Hebrews, you probably have as well, where God just all of a sudden is dealing with you in something that you never saw coming. Let me ask you this question. Do you know one of the reasons why we bow our heads and pray or why we close our eyes or why we kneel and pray? Do you know kind of, kind of why we do that? I'm not going to get necessarily into the like history of that, but here, here's the principle behind it, that when my heart and my mind are in a place of humility and in awe of the Lord, then my body will generally want to express that in some way. And so here's one of the best examples I can think of. If, if a team that you're watching playing football scores a touchdown, like a winning touchdown, and your heart and your mind are excited, your body usually expresses that, right? Now as Browns fans, we don't know what that's like. Buckeyes fans we do but but right like how many times have you been watching a game or or whatever and the you know the the winning touchdown happens or the winning goal and you're like sweet right no you're never like that you're like high-fiving and stuff at least if you're like me or at least something you're expressing something you know even if it's just a yes you know even something we have some kind of expression that's there now I'm, <laughs> I'm not equating a winning touchdown to you know, to prayer. But what I am saying is that generally the posture of our mind and our heart is usually followed up by an actual physical posture. Now, does that mean if you don't bow your head and pray that you're doing prayer wrong? No. Does it mean if you don't close your eyes that you're doing prayer wrong? No. That's not what I'm saying. It's a physical representation of the posture of our hearts aligning with God. And in many ways, it's, it's also a way to focus and not get distracted in a world of distractions, right? To, to be able to focus on things um, sometimes I got to just close my eyes and shut out the world. But there's also an, an aspect of reverence and respect for God in terms of like bowing our head as a place of surrender to the Lord because he is, after all, the God of the universe. And let's not forget that. But it's a physical representation of the posture of our heart aligning with him. It's a sign of respect and reverence that I am surrendered and I am intentionally focused on God. At the same time, the posture of our heart is so much more important than the posture of our bodies. The posture of our heart is so much more important than the posture of our bodies. But here's the thing. If we find ourselves somewhere in verses five through eight that we just read, then how well are we aligning ourselves with God? Truthfully, we aren't. Jesus even says in that passage, do not be like them you don't find him saying that very often. But he says it right there. Do not be like them. Psalm 37, four through five, I love these verses. It says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. You know what the desires of my heart are a Ferrari? So the Lord's gonna give that to me? Now listen, stop. 
If that's what you're getting out of this verse, you're not hearing it because there is a posture of prayer built into the beginning of this verse. And you need to really understand what, what he's getting at here. Take delight in the Lord. How can I do that if I'm not praying? Right? How can I do that if I'm not in a place of prayer or a person of prayer? And when I take delight in the Lord, he ends up transforming my heart to be like him so that when it comes to the desires of my heart, the desires of my heart end up lining up with the desires of God. Sometimes those are the things that we want because he loves to bless his children and he loves to bless his people. And sometimes he knows better than to give you the Ferrari because he knows what you're gonna do with it, right? So commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. See, prayer is at the root of this psalm. Again, it comes from communicating with him. And we commit our ways to the Lord. That requires prayer. But you know what? Sometimes we're in a place, we're in a season of our, our life, we're in, we're in a circumstance or a situation where we find ourselves in a place of suffering. We find our, ourselves in a place of pain. We find our, ourselves in a place where our world is falling apart. And all of the things don't make sense. And we're emotionally wrecked. We're emotionally fractured. Our world is just falling apart and our words aren't there. And I know that you've been there, done that before. And this template, the acts of prayer, is the furthest thing from our mind. Because the struggle is real. The emotions are high. And we're just like, Ugh. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. mm. And you know what I'm talking about. You've been there, done that. I have as well. But if we struggle with prayer, we need to remember that we're not alone in that feeling. Listen, you're not the only person that has felt that. You're not the only person who has sat down to pray and you just don't even know what to say or how to say. Because life has just exploded and fallen apart and all the things don't make sense. Jesus' own disciples struggled to know how to pray. And we still experience those times today where our words just escape us. And Paul wrote about it with more than three words. In Romans chapter 8, 26 through 27, look at what he says here. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes. He's our go-between. Our, our helper, our friend, for us through wordless groans. Have you been there with the wordless groans? You know what I mean? It sounds weird, but like, you're like, yeah, I get that. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Your heart matters so much more than your words when you approach the Lord. And God knows your heart and he knows the posture of it. And it's also so encouraging. This should be encouraging to you to know that the Holy Spirit is at work within us and for us when we pray. The Spirit not only shapes our prayers, but it also shapes us. See, prayer shapes us. If you are committed and devoted to prayer, as we should be as followers of Jesus, you will find prayer shaping you in a way that nothing else can. That nothing else can. And it might be humbling, but it should also be encouraging because yeah, when prayer shapes us, it can be humbling, no doubt. 
And of course, of course, the enemy is going to try to discourage you, try to make you think that your lack of words or your lack of tact or your lack of whatever in that moment is not good enough. He's going to try to make you think that. God doesn't want to hear from you. You don't even know what to say. You can't pray in King James English. Whatever. You know what I mean? Those things that like run through our head. Good grief. Get, get behind me, Satan. Punch him in the face. Prayer shapes us, and don't let him discourage you from something that is so powerful because that's how you can punch Satan in the face, right? Prayer is something that is so powerful. It's one of the most powerful things that we can do as believers, and we don't use it nearly enough because, of course, something that pulls you closer to God and closer to the heart of God is absolutely something that the enemy is going to want to pull you away from and make you think that you don't have time, you don't have the right words, and that this isn't going to matter. Of course he's going to make you think that. And all those things are lies from the pit of hell. I'm telling you that right now. Because prayer is something that God wants to use to pull you closer to him. So instead... Let's make a decision to pull closer to the Lord and to pray to that end. The times that you're feeling the most discouraged are the times that you should pray more. Absolutely. And I know that's hard to do. Been there, done that. So here we go into our prayer focus for our last week. Our week three prayer focus is this. Wake up. Wake up. And here's what I mean by that. It's in, it's in your guide. It's in your 21-day guide. If you've got that, uh, you can download it on our website, connectchurch.xyz slash 21 days, if, you're not, if, you, if you don't have it. But it's right there, and I want to read this to you because this is what we're going to pray for this week. As we prayed to fill the house for, for the next coming, uh, coming months and, and beyond, we then are going to pray in, in this way to wake up. It says this, We refuse to be a people who fall into a spiritual slumber. In this new year, seek God to spiritually awaken you in areas of your life that might be asleep. Together, let's pray that God would wake us up to see the beauty of who he is so that anything in our lives that does not have value would fall away. Getting rid of worthless, sin-filled desires only happens when we truly delight in Christ. So wake up, enjoy God, and be alert for the mission that God has called us to in our city and in our community. I believe that praying and fasting as we have been in whatever way God has led you to this past week and, and hopefully into this next week as well. Maybe it was a one-day fast. Maybe it was a two-day fast. Maybe it was just skipping a meal or maybe it was something else like a Daniel fast or one of those things involved. However God led you to do that this week and for you to participate in that, I guarantee you God showed you something through that time. And this prayer focus for this coming week that I hope you will continue whatever that looks like into this next week and maybe even beyond it will make a difference for us as we move forward as a church if we if, if we're going to fill the house and we're going to reach people we also need to wake up to be able to be used by God and to be able to have our hearts aligned with the Lord is a crucial crucial and important thing because prayer empowers and enables us to move forward as believers Prayer empowers and enables us to move forward. It engages God. It engages God's people and, and it enlarges God's kingdom. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. John 14, 12 through 13. Jesus said this, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me 
will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That should be encouraging to us as well. Absolutely, because once we have prayed, we're ready to do anything. Until we have prayed though, listen, we can do nothing. Until we have prayed, we can do nothing. But once you have prayed, according to the word of God, you can accomplish anything. You can accomplish anything in his name. And we have some amazing things in front of us as a church. As a church family, we have some incredible things in front of us. But if we are not praying, we will not move forward. Hear that. We will not move forward. We won't be able to. We won't be able to. And so let's talk, let's talk about that for a quick minute. Let, let's talk about leadership goals for just a second. Let's talk about something that, that I've looked at and a question that I've, a really tough question that I've been asking that I want to actually put out to all of us to ask ourselves as well. And the question is this. This is a tough question. If Connect Church ceased to exist, would it matter to our community? Yikes. Stuff just got real, didn't it? That's a hard question. That's a question I've been asking myself for a couple months. It's a question we need to continue to ask ourselves as we move forward. Because this brings everything in alignment, doesn't it? If we shut the doors tomorrow, not that we are because we're not, but if we did, would it matter to our community? Would it really matter other than just, well, that was a nice building. Too bad it's empty. Or are we making such a difference in our community that it would be devastating? Because as the church of Jesus, not the building, the people, the answer to this should be yes. Would it matter to our community? It should be yes. But if the answer is no, or kind of no, or maybe, then we've got some work to do. Because that means we're not being the church as good as we could be or should be. And if we're gonna change that, that begins and ends with prayer. See, church isn't an event to attend, it's a place to belong. And our community needs to feel that. We're a very loving church, and I love that. We, we love each other. We welcome people that come in the door. I think, I think we do a great job of that. Could we do better at that? Of course. There's always things we can get better at. We can get better at everything. And we're going to continue to try to get better at everything. But you know what? There's a community around us that we are planted in that needs to understand that and feel that and feel the love of Jesus in that way. And that's not something I can do by myself. That's not my calling to do it by myself. It's our calling as a church to do that. See, we want to see a movement of God in our community through, the, through this local church. This is the goal. Amen? Amen? We want to see a movement of God in our community through this local church. And so we are going to pray and we are going to fast to that end and, and that burning spiritual desire to reach people who need to know, love, and follow Jesus. How is that going to happen? Well, it begins with prayer. It begins with prayer because if we're not praying, we can't do anything. And if we are not people of prayer, then our impact is gonna be severely diminished at best and non-existent at worst. And so my connection point is actually kind of a declaration statement, something for us to take almost like a, a battle cry 
as we go out. And that is this, that we are people of prayer. Because as followers of Jesus, this needs to be who we are. And you know what? For the last 14 days, we have been people of prayer. Or at least I'm trusting that we have been people of prayer. And God has done some awesome stuff. This is a declaration statement, not of what will be, but of what is. Because if you don't write down a goal like this and say that, and say that to yourself, you're never gonna be that. You could say, we will be people of prayer. No, 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 we are people of prayer. And then everything that we do in our life needs to go toward defining that declaration statement. And I can say this because we are on our last week of completing a 21-day intentional prayer, fasting, and reading his word. And I know it's made a difference in your life if you've leaned into it. And next week, our service, the entire service next week, is gonna be a worship, prayer, and communion service, the whole thing. We're just going to lean into prayer and worship and communion. And really, it's gonna be all prayer if you really think about it. Because I don't know about you, I can't tell you how many times the band, there was a couple of songs today that the band did that I, was, I just sang it out as a prayer because it just rocked me. Because sometimes God speaks to us through songs and worship in ways that he doesn't in any other way. And it ends up driving me to a place of prayer because that's communication with God at its best is when we're praying. Prayer is a fundamental response to God. It shapes us into his image as we practice it faithfully and consistently. And I hope that it is something that has made a difference in your life. And if you're here and you've never met Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him and you wanna know more about that, you're not 100% sure that you're gonna be in heaven with him someday, can I just tell you that he loves you so much and he wants to hear from you? That cry to the void that you don't even know what to say or how to say and you're trying to figure that out, we got people with yellow lanyards that are around this place that would love to pray with you, show you in God's word, and maybe even just listen if that's where you're at. So I can't encourage you enough to maybe come find them at the end of the service. We've got a couple over here, and I know that there's a couple people over here. Pastor Trav and myself will be around. Pastor Randy's here. Love to talk and pray with you. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that we can come to you in prayer. It's an honor to be able to come to you at any time, the creator of the universe, creator of all things, or that we have the privilege to approach your throne in prayer. And we thank you for that. We praise you. We give you the glory. God, we confess for the times that, that we've fallen short Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace and your mercy that you give us as, as those who have followed you. Lord, there's, there's nothing we can do to make you love us less, and there's nothing we can do to make you love us more, and we thank you for the forgiveness and the truth of that that you give us. Father, we thank you for so many things that you've done in our life, for the blessings that you've given us that are beyond even what we deserve. Lord, and the things that we take for granted that we don't even thank you for enough. So God, we thank you and we praise you. God, I pray that if there is one here that doesn't know you as Savior, one watching that doesn't know you, Father, I pray they'd have the boldness to step out and talk to someone, to just have a conversation. Maybe reach out to us in the comments, whatever that might be. 
Lord, I know that there's a lot of us here that are hurting, that are dealing with things in our life, that are struggling. And so I pray, God, that, that you would help us. That we could clearly see your hand in those things. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the power of prayer. And I pray that we would utilize it more. I pray that we would wake up, that we would wake up to the, to the areas in our life spiritually that need to be woken up so that we can be closer to you. Father, I pray that you would do a movement through our church, that you would move through our church so that we can make an impact in our community for the, for the gospel, Lord, for the good news of Jesus that is so needed. Lord, you've planted us here for a reason, so help us to step into that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.